Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my two lovely co-hosts. First, to my right, Hank Indictor, and below me is Sam, the girl who talks sports, Cardona. Uh, ladies, guys, how's it going? Doing great. How are you, Tom? Doing excellent. A New York Giants win. Cheers to that. Uh, we're 1-3 and three on the season. Very excited. This is the first better. show we'll get to talk about a Giants win. Hank is live from his hotel in the middle of uh, nowhere, <laughs> we, we, we like to call it. Um, thank you for joining us from a different location tonight. Really do appreciate it. And we thank all the fans for joining us tonight who are joining us. If you have any comments, feel free to drop them below in the comments section. We are live on Facebook and YouTube for the first time. Uh, so make sure to go check us out there as well. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitter for all of our content as we are a sub show of review and preview sports. Without further ado, let's get started. Let's talk some New York football giants. I'm very excited. Uh, week four, Daniel Jones looked really good. This, this offense, the Giants scored 27 points, their most in a victory under head coach Joe Judge. Sam, I'm going to start with you because your reaction at the end of this game was absolutely priceless. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah, I actually, I was like, you know what? I feel like if this does happen, I want to get it on tape. So I went live on Instagram for like 10 minutes in the in the overtime just so that I could have that visual of myself. Watching it back was hysterical. If you guys haven't seen it, it's on my Instagram at the girl who talks sports. I start screaming and laughing and I like look like I'm about to start crying to be honest with you. But what an ending to a game. It was everything that I thought wouldn't happen and it did. And it was just like really great. I mean, there were a few heartbreaking moments within this game that we'll we'll get into, but I could not be happier that this is a game that we won. Everybody expected us to lose this game. Nobody thought we were going to beat the Saints. And here we are on a Thursday night on Big Blue Avenue celebrating a Giants win. To say that I was pleasantly surprised after this game would be the understatement of the year. And by the way, before I say anything else, I want to give a shout out to two people. First off, Brian McArdle, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. This guy said in the comments that the Giants were going to win. He was the one that pointed out that Jameis Winston has not won back-to-back games. Second why I want to give a shout out to would be Ben Flynn, who was our guest last week. Between us three and him, he was the only one that picked the Giants so in to so Ben, 
Bravo, sir. Now, on to the game. This was one of those games where, like, it had some moments where usually you'd see it and you'd think the Giants would lose. Like, they gave up a touchdown to Taysom Hill, and then, you know, you go into the fourth quarter trailing by, like, a what was it, like 11? It, it wasn't looking points. good. Yeah, no, it, it was it was bad. But then, you know, you had that big touchdown to Saquon Barkley, and then Graham Gano kicked a fl- clutch field goal with, like, less than a minute to go. And th- I was worried that the Saints were going to maybe drive the ball down, but no, no, this was different. And then the real thing that stood out to me was – when Saquon fumbled it and Kyle Rudolph recovered it, I mean, again, thank goodness for him because that that's another one of those plays that I feel like if it goes the, any, the other way any other time, we see the Giants lose that. And Saquon, I think you owe Kyle Rudolph a nice trip to Peter Luger's, even though Kyle Rudolph probably doesn't. I didn't post that part of the video, the but I, I was excited. freaking out. It was... It was like real, like I was just like, no, this is not happening. And then I was like, Kyle, Kyle's here. Kyle saved us. He <laughs> saved us this game. And then, most importantly, this guy. This guy got DJ. a great reason for the dub. And by the way, I actually literally just bought this jersey like about an hour ago at the mall that's like not too far from this hotel. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you picked a great jersey to buy. Finally, Hank. Uh, somebody's. <laughs> hey, I mean, I had I had Saquon. Well, two Saquons. I had Blake Martinez, and I think I have Jabril Peppers as well. I needed another current one. This is the first time the Giants have ever won in the Superdome since 1993. Um, it's been that long. It's been over 27 years, 28 years, and. To see that happen, the stadium was rocking. My buddy, who was on Review and Preview as a guest the other night, um, was there working the game. And just to see the Giants win was just insane. Uh, nobody picked the Giants to win this football game. 485 total yards of offense under Jason Garrett. And Daniel Jones, I mean, we could talk about him. Career high in completions. Career high in uh, career high completion percentage, I should say, uh, or no. Yeah. Com- completions, career high, career high, 402 passing yards and two touchdown passes. I'm going to say two, cause I'm going to count the John Ross one. That was a fumble. We're both over 50 plus yards. That counts. They're taking vertical shots down the field. That does count. And that's why Daniel Jones was named offensive player of the week for the NFC. So congratulations, Danny Dimes. Well-deserved. That's um, awesome. That's so, I'm yeah. so proud of him. I'm like so proud of him for for getting that. Yeah, and the He's one interception. Front of eyes. Exactly, and the one interception on the last play of the first half. You don't even count that. That was a hail mary towards the end zone. That was just the heave. They're just trying for some luck right there. Sure. So it's just something you see on the stat sheet. That's really all it means to me. That's that's not an interception in my book. I I don't even want to see that on a on a stat sheet. But it is what it is. I don't either. And. That's why if those of you folks were speculating who our New York Giants player of the week is. It is, in fact, the quarterback, number eight, Daniel Jones. Um, here's our little graphic on him. 402 passing yards, as we mentioned. Um, also 27 yards on the ground. And his passer rating has been insane. I saw a stat that his passer rating is higher than every other quarterback in the NFL except for Tom Brady's through the first four weeks of the season. That's how good he's been. 
That's how good he's been. Just look at these numbers. The Giants are down by 11 with seven minutes left on the road in one of the toughest places to play in the National Football League, and he puts up those numbers. 11 of 15, 165 passing yards in seven minutes. That sounds like uh, an old quarterback the Giants used to have who used to do that. And Daniel Jones did something Eli never did. Eli never once in his career won in the Superdome. Year three, Daniel Jones has done that. Wow, that's crazy to think about. That is no knock to Eli by any means. He's my favorite giant, favorite athlete of all time. But, man, this kid – when the Giants protect Daniel Jones, you could really see glimpses of how special this offense could be. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I think a lot of people aren't – like giving us enough credit for is that our offense really is stacked and it really does look fantastic when they have the right play calls done for them. I mean, the, the amount of bombs that Daniel Jones threw in this game that made me like, it it was like, Oh my God, if someone catches this, this is going to be amazing. And they almost all of them were caught and it was just an incredible thing to see. And we're finally working towards Daniel Jones's strengths. Like we should have been doing this the whole time. Folks, if you have any comments on Daniel Jones, make sure to comment in the live stream. Hank, sorry, there's a little lag. Um, Folks, just comment in the live stream. Any thoughts, any questions you have on Daniel Jones? Because I'm interested to hear how you guys feel about Daniel Jones, Hank. Yeah, no, this is something that we've been stressing pretty much all year. The talent is there. You put numbers like this. And it's something I have a feeling this is not going to be the last time we're going to be seeing it have an epic game. All right. So while, while Hank takes care of his connection problem, we'll just move on. Um, Sam, Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just looking at these numbers he's had over the course of the season. Um, 188 yards, two rushing touchdowns too. He is a dual threat. And that's something the giants were, were missing. Uh, you know, when he, when Eli was the quarterback, he was more of a pocket presence. And in the modern day NFL, it's nice to have a quarterback that can do this. And, you know, his QB rating is very, very high. And now it's not just the fact that his numbers are good and he's being conservative. His numbers are good and he's taking deep shots down the field. I mean, look at his PFF grade, fifth highest in the NFL in 2021. Yeah. Uh, he's just been electric. No, it's been fantastic. Oh, welcome back, Hank. I was just going to say for Daniel Jones is that like this is, I think, his the second did he didn't he score the two point conversion last week as well? Like just ran it in or the week before. So he's just been taking it himself. And that's not something, obviously, like you said, Tom, that Eli was able to do. And I've I've heard people now his new nickname is Dual Threat Danny. And I'm I'm catching on to that. I think that that is a really great nickname for him. Yeah, he really is a dual threat. I mean, you look at what he's been able to do first few weeks of the season. Um their first offense, their second offensive drive, because the Giants went three and out. Uh, 18-yard pass to Kadarius Tony, 27-yard pass to Galladay, and that led Joe Judge on fourth and one. They elected to kick the field goal, and I know Hank was very opinionated about that play, how um, the Giants were correct to go for the points um, at that moment, even though they didn't convert because it's a 35-yard field goal. You're playing against the Saints. You want to put points on the board. And that's exactly what the Giants were trying to do. So I can't really blame Joe Judge for not going for it on that particular play. But you'd like to see him be a little more aggressive. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I was like a little bit upset about it because like it was a fourth and one, and we were like, you know, it, it's possible that you can get that but also so far i believe the giants only have just above 30 percent conversion rate with fourth down so if you can just even though it was a miss unfortunately normally it's not you know if you can guarantee the points it's better than risking that especially in the beginning of the game you know in the beginning of the game we're still trying to get in so if you can get the points especially against an offense like the saints it it made a lot of sense to do that yeah i agree i am more you know you guys sorry I want to take the points early in the game. You want to put some stuff on the scoreboard. Just generally speaking, I like playing to win. Yeah, I mean, I like playing to win too. But in that situation, I I, I would just kick the field goal because you're you're in the Superdome. It just so happened that the announcer brought up the the stat and Gano missed. But there have been instances in previous games where the Giants should have gone for it, where they didn't. Um, so I, I think that's something to look forward to in coming weeks, see if the Giants will take more shots. And then that 52-yard touchdown pass to John Ross put the Giants up 7 nothing. And then in the second half, I mean, Jones really turned it on in the fourth quarter, um, had a 54-yard touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley, who is really starting to come into his own. And before I get to Barkley, one more thing on Daniel Jones. Um, he has the longest active – second longest active streak – for a 90-plus passer rating, only behind Kyler Murray. And he has tied Eli Manning, Phil Sims, and Gary Wood for the most games with a 100-plus passer rating among Giants quarterbacks in their first three seasons. So these numbers are just electric, and it really speaks volumes to how good of a talent this kid can be. And Barkley was good, Sam. 126 yards total, that 54-yard touchdown catch, that was a fun Really fun play to watch. I mean, they they tried it earlier in the game, but it wasn't there. But the Saints were playing; they, they were sagging off a little on defense, and it showed on that play in particular. Yeah, and honestly, you know, you you think Saquon, and you think you know, obviously, run game, but he's a very solid receiver, which is obviously great for us. But seeing that, it just you can tell every single week Saquon comes back, he's becoming more and more confident. And I think as well as the confidence of Saquon coming back, because, you know, obviously coming back into after an injury like that is tough. And I think every single week we're seeing him get better. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's going to be very interesting to see what Barkley can do in the coming weeks. Adam Rothschild with a comment, Danny Jones for it's going to be very Jones for No, Hank, sorry. It's uh Give us one moment with the technical difficulties. We'll try to add you back as soon as we can. Um, But I just want to show this clip quick of the 54-yard touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley where you can kind of just see, Sam, how how good of a route runner he is from that running back position because Daniel Jones, I mean, he's improving when he's reading a defense, which you really love to see. But I think this play will really hit home uh, to the viewers on – what this duo of Jones and Barkley could could be. And we'll kind of start off here. We'll just look at his protection. And you could kind of see Marshawn Lattimore here, number 23, mm-hmm. plays Evan Ingram, who's on that little out route there. And Barkley just runs right by him. We'll take a look at it. And from here, I mean, he makes a Beautiful. good move here downfield. He, he cuts in and then it's a foot race. And then we'll have one more look of it. I mean, nobody even saw him. 
No, no. And that's Marshall Lattimore. Yeah. Like, seriously, like, it's just incredible how he literally slipped behind. But also, I think that's a great kind of play to run because, like I said, so many people are expecting Saquon to be in the backfield or run up the middle or something like that. To have him do that quick little, you know, swift behind, I mean, if it works, it works. Why not keep on using that unless defenses obviously start to uh, start to catch on to that? So, you know, that was that was so beautiful. And like I said, dual, dual threat Danny, dual threat Saquon. Let's just dual threat everybody. Everybody's dual threat. Yeah. All right. 100%. What's up, Hank? You're back. Sorry about that. We had to get rid of your duplicate, which was backstage. That's why the sound was coming in all dysfunctional and everything. All good, man. It's it's my fault. If I had known that this Wi-Fi was going to be crappy, I would have just stayed home and came later. But it's all good. Yeah. So – what are, what are your thoughts on Saquon Barkley? Because quite honestly, I think he's starting to come along. I, I just wish the offensive line that's actually doing pretty decent in pass protection would do a little bit better in run protection. I agree. I think Saquon, you know, you can see he's slowly, like, getting into the swing of things after coming off that ACL injury. But, like, I think this was one of his first big games in the season. And, you know, like you said, I think part of the reason that he had a good game I'm looking at one guy by the name of Andrew Thomas. He, like, really held his own there. And I think, obviously, while the line protection could be a little bit better for the run game, I think once it improves, you're going to see more games like this from Saquon. And, you know, as good of the game as Garrett called, I still don't get why they're calling a reverse to Evan Ingram on second and goal from the the two. Uh, Clearly, it doesn't work, right? So why – they're just trying to get the guy involved. Maybe they feel bad for him or something. But, um, look, I was a little nervous. After we were tied 7-7 at the half, the Saints score the touchdown, and then Taysom Hill had two rushing touchdowns in this game, uh, one where he basically broke six tackles that put the Saints up 21-10. to And then that's where we had the 54-yard touchdown to Barkley. And then Daniel Jones brings the Giants down the field where Gano hits the game-tying 48 yard field goal um and then in overtime it was just so impressive we're going to get to kenny galladay now had a big 23 yard catch in ot uh that was the second to last play of the game that set up the barkley six yard touchdown run kenny galladay six catches 116 yards obviously he had his best game as a giant um without sterling shepherd without darius slate and while that does suit better for him it also means he's going to get more attention right defenses are going to game plan for him more is where Sterling Shepard was starting to come on and they struggle to get him involved. But now it's kind of ironic. You get more attention going your way and he's doing more for you on the football field. Yeah, definitely. And I'll tell you another guy who really benefited too from the injuries is Kadarius Tony. I mean, look at the highlights of him. He made like a number of guys miss and Tom, I want to point out, you showed our reaction from when we joined Andy Hopper on his draft day extravaganza. And every time I look at our faces from the, from the moment we drafted Tony, I mean, look, I was a little dumbstruck myself because it was a typical Gettleman move where it's like, oh, he's going straight out of left field. But now looking at his highlights, I'm like, okay, maybe just maybe he, he might be a good choice. And it's it's still taking me a little bit bit to like really buy fully into getting Kadarius Tony, but I think I think last week we definitely saw his potential, and 
hey, who knows? I hope he gets more playing time. I hope he. Re- I hope this really helps establish his role going forward. Well, I, speaking, I think that everybody. I just want to say something real quick. Just give Kadarius the ball. Just keep on doing it. Yes. Like mm-hmm. I don't know why it took us this long to get him involved. Keep on giving him the ball because it's very obvious that he's working well with this offense. So I that's just that's just my two cents. Thirty-five percent missed tackle rate, and we'll show you right here why. I mean, just look at how this play develops. He runs a little slant. You can see him here on the bottom end of the screen, a little two-step and a juke inside. Jones hits him on the slant, and then watch what happens. Two guys miss. There's a third with the stiff arm. Four. He's fast. Five, six. He's still going. Here it is one more time. I mean, you'll kind of watch it in full speed now. He's just so elusive. Doesn't this remind you of a receiver we used to have? He's so fast. And the protection. The protection was outstanding, too, on that play. Got to give the boys up front some credit. Um, Definitely. John says, give him the damn ball. I agree. 100%. JR, good, buddy. Just a reminder, in a few minutes, Brian Attard from the Sports Box will be joining the show at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. He is the co-host of Highly Opinionated and the host of his own New York Rangers show, Blue Truth. Um, that usually airs Thursdays around 8.30, and uh, he might be going live tonight. Uh, I'm not so sure, but we'll confirm that with him once he uh, comes on the stream. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, Sam. Kadarius Tony making his first career start, six catches, 78 yards. John Ross, three catches for 77 in that one score. And then we didn't hear Cameron Jordan's name called all day long. Andrew Thomas deleted him. He continues to dominate. And he continues to prove worthy of that number four overall pick in last year's draft. I love that wording saying that he deleted Cam Jordan. I think that that's such a great way of putting it because yeah, you mean you, you, you hear Cam Jordan, you're like, yeah, obviously fantastic defensive player. And the fact that he just like didn't even get mentioned this entire game really just shows how much Andrew Thomas is developing and in the best way possible. And I think I said this maybe last week or the week before, but like we were like last year, Andrew Thomas really was not that great. And we were hoping he did well in the off season and he's just absolutely just getting better every single week. And it's really refreshing to see because this offensive line really needs that help. And I think that he is pulling more than his weight. I would argue that this is really like a continuation of like the second half of the season on to where Joe Judge got involved with the offensive line. Because like, Mm -hmm. remember, it was really at the second half of last season where he had a streak of not allowing a sack. And to think that he'd won up that now by like not even allowing a sack all year. Remarkable. And I'm he's another guy who I'm really proud of right now. And remember, guys, I said he was going to be someone to watch out for in this game and for Cameron Jordan not to have a sack at all in this game, I think that really speaks volumes to how well he played. But I think another shout-out goes to Matt Skura because he looked pretty good as left guard. He hadn't played there since 2017, correct? And that, as I mentioned, was when he was with the Baltimore Ravens. He was seven for Marshall Yanda, too. So he actually is another guy. And if you look at his stats, actually, even before that, he's, he's another player who hasn't allowed a sack at all either. So I'm not surprised that he would be an effective left guard move. 
Left guard is a very important position, too, because you look back and signal the center when to snap the ball, right? And Skura is a center himself, traditionally. So him playing that left guard position is very important. Uh, big upgrade over Shane Lemieux and definitely an upgrade over Ben Bredesen. I'd imagine Bredesen will probably start this week if his hand is holding up against Dallas. But I would prefer to see Matt Skura out there due to the experience. But quickly, I just want to run through Andrew Thomas's stats on how impressive he's been. He has an 88.9 PFF pass blocking grade. He ranks eighth in the NFL among tackles and pass blocking efficiency. He's allowed just one quarterback hit, five hurries, six pressures, no sacks. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's going to be a cornerstone piece of this franchise for a long time. Andrew Thomas is going to be our left tackle for years to come, and I'm very excited for that. And, yeah, Hank, you hit it, hit it on the head with Skira. I mean, he did have one holding penalty but I like his run angles. He's really good with his hands. So I'm excited. This offensive line is starting to maybe come together just a little bit. Um, even Solder didn't have a bad game. So, you know, who knows? But there are tougher opponents headed our way as now we're starting to enter the gauntlet of our schedule. And then I don't know. The, the play calling with Sean Payton didn't make sense because Taysom Hill threw a bomb deep. Um, James Bradbury had a second pick of the year. So that was nice to see. Giants are still kind of adjusting defensively their schematics. But, Hank, there were some cons to this game, and one of them is really unfortunate with Graham Gano missing that field goal. I mean, unfortunately, streaks are meant to be broken, but I still don't disagree with kicking the field goal there because, as I yeah. said, it's early in the game. You need to try to take the points. And Graham Gano, nine out of every ten times, is a pretty reliable kicker. That That's just bad luck, I felt like. Yeah, I mean, he's he should have been a pro bowler last year. That's the way I look at it. The first field goal he's missed in quite some time. And another con of this game, lack of a pass rush. Neither team had a sack, but Lorenzo Carter just is not cutting it on the edge. The Giants need Ellerson Smith. They need another player in there because outside of Aziz Ojolari, the pass rush is non-existent, and we're going up against two good tackles on Sunday in Tyron Smith and Terrence Steele who's been filling in quite nicely for the boys at right tackle. Um, and this was reported by Bobby Skinner. The Giants blitz rate is ninth highest in the league at nearly 30%, but they're 30th in quarterback knockdowns and 29th in pressure percentage. That's awful. And not just that, not only can we not rush the quarterback, now all of a sudden we can't stop the run as well as we once did. Hmm, I wonder why. You got rid of Dalvin Tomlinson, and you traded away B.J. Hill, who really could have stepped up this year and helped you in that department for a real shitty center in Billy Price. I'm sorry, but Taysom Hill consistently ran through us, and Alvin Kamara had 120 yards on the ground. I don't know how the Giants won this game. They were outrushed 170 to 83, and the Saints had the ball for 37 minutes. Thank God for Daniel Jones. That's all I'm going to say. And, and it also helped us a lot that we were able to win the coin toss and have that ball first because on a lot, the way that these horrible overtime rules are in the NFL is that you get the you win the coin toss, it is more likely that you will win this game unless it starts going back and forth. Like the second that you get the ball, you're like, okay, I have the ball, I can get down the field and score and win, and the other team doesn't even see overtime at all. Yeah, you know, I'm really intrigued to see what the Giants' uh, depth at certain positions will look like when, you know, Shepard and Slayton are back. I think Tony's probably our number three at this point. I think Slayton can, can kind of take a back seat for now. 
Um, but we'll see. We'll see if Tony keeps up the momentum. You mentioned Jabril Peppers and the coin toss. And now it's time for one of my favorite segments of the evening. <laughs> Turnover tea with Sam Cardona. Sam, take it away. What is this week's topic? Turnover tea. I have my I have my tea mug with me. Um, our turnover tea this week is if you guys were listening, I mean this was this was definitely not a great look for us in terms of the Giants, but Jabril Peppers, one of our captains, went up to represent the Giants during the coin toss. Um, he called heads, which is always the right answer. Flipped the coin, obviously was heads. He was very excited about it. And he, it was also his birthday, I'm pretty sure. So he was probably even more excited about that. So he ended up going, boom. And we were like, okay, he's excited. And then he said, we want the MFR, which is not the best thing to say on national television. You know, we, we really do not want to be saying those words on national television, but it happened and so on and so forth. We obviously got the ball, won the game. It ended up turning out okay. Allegedly, this is allegedly because it's not being like super reported right now. And, and I believe it was only one story that we found um, reporting this is that John Mara was not celebrating the Giants win because of the language that Jabril Peppers used during the coin toss, which is, I mean, I would understand being upset with your player for swearing on national television. And it was just, it was just not the best in terms of the FCC and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it could, it was pretty fun, but for TV, not so much, but John Mara allegedly did not want to celebrate that win because of it, which I think is a little much because it's your first win of the season. It's an overtime win. It's exciting you know, reprimand your player in a way that you want, but don't not celebrate your win because of it. So I don't think that that was really the best thing. So that is our tea for this week. Yeah. So Tom and Hank, what are your, what are your guys' thoughts on it? Well, first of all, this is the same guy who let, who allegedly or not threw a trash can after a loss. So you don't really, in my opinion, he shouldn't really get to express his outrage over that. First of all, second of all, your team won a game in overtime in a place that has been a house of horrors. Like, come on, just enjoy yourself, man. Adam says he doesn't believe the John Mara report. Um, what was reported by Wes Steinberg in the media was that he didn't celebrate, but I don't know, if, Sam, if anybody else reported it or not. But regardless, if this did happen, which there there is a chance that it did, um, you could reprimand Peppers after the game and talk to him, be like, you know, be a little more professional out, out there. You can get excited all you want, but do not belittle the other 52 players who work their butts off to help your football team win their first game of the season. That's just the way I view it. Um, but anyway, we're on to bigger and better things. And how about them Cowboys? At this time, <laughs> we're going to bring on our guest, and he's one of my – He's probably my favorite Cowboys fan, most level-headed, knowledgeable one that I know, Brian Attard from the Sports Box. Brian, how are you tonight? What's up, guys? How are you? I, I, I enjoy being welcomed in. You know, I went on my uh, my uh, compadres Eagles show. I was not as welcomed on that one, so I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the love as I walk in the door. <laughs> well, it's Philly fans. What do you expect? 
I I yeah. live here. I know. I that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that uh, Hamilton pride. Hamilton pride. Um, Hank wins. Hank wins hat of the night, though. I mean, I'm well. I'm well behind. So. <laughs> Uh, I had to one more week till um, hell yeah, till we- cannot wait, cannot wait. LGR, yeah, forever and ever. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say on Blue Truth. You guys are airing tonight, I want to say. So, we're actually so we're doing the sports box, uh, uh, network wide NHL season preview, which will stream to Blue Truth since obviously I'm on it. Um, but we're doing the whole league, you know, divisional previews and stuff, and who's making the playoffs, who's not. Um, We'll sneak preview. I think Hank will be happy with the results. Um, so I think anyway for what that's worth. No, yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm sure it's it's going to be a great show for you guys tonight. So make sure to go check that out on the Sports Box at 8:30 p.m. But for now, we got Brian to talk about those Dallas Cowboys who are coming off a 36. Uh, ooh, excuse me, 36 to 28 win against the Carolina Panthers, who are without Christian McCaffrey. And Brian, your team outscored the Panthers twenty nothing in the third quarter. Uh, what were your general thoughts on this football game? Because the way I viewed it is Dallas is starting to look like a very lethal offense. That it's getting kind of scary for other opposing defenses in the in the NFL. What they were able to do to Carolina on Sunday, and that's a very good defense. I mean, coming in now, I mean, it, granted, they didn't really like beat any world beaters to get the three and zero, but you're still a three and zero team. You know, no no slouch there. Um, I was kind of surprised with the way the first half was going, but it's it's nice to see adjustments made at the half. You know, the previous coach who was here, who you guys know very well, wasn't really good at making adjustments at halftime, and it was mostly more of the same. So whatever, whatever wasn't working ended up working more in, in the second half. Um, I mean, you're right about the offense. You know, if you rem- I came on Review and Preview, which I love doing, by the way, so thank you for having me. Um, before the season, the kind of like, you know, preview things. I said, you know, my, my, my two biggest concerns were, can the offense prove that all those gaudy numbers were not the result of the defense being trash and having to throw the ball more and B could the defense appear to at least play the role of a professional looking defense because last year's was so bad. And I think in both cases, they're doing well. I know the Cowboys are ranked like 26 in total defense. That's the bucks game. And that'll fix itself over the rest of the year. Um, but I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to complain about. I mean, the only game you've lost is to Tom Brady. I'll I'll live with that. <laughs> That's fine. I'm not too upset about that. But yeah. they, they've played they've played well against some a couple quality opponents, not Philadelphia. Um, and <laughs> I'm just the three and one. So it's all good. Like, not, for, for a, I'm usually the one that's complaining about things. Right now, there's you know not a lot to complain about, and maybe that's what I'm concerned about. That I'm not concerned. I should be more concerned, and I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you you've gotten a lot of hate in your uh, outside the box. From that, some I love Eagles that. Fans. That's what I do. Yeah, I mean, I love that. You, you kind of just feed off that because those Eagles fans are just obnoxious. Majority, we do know a couple decent ones. We I mean, Sam knows a great one, in fact. Um, but. Majority. <laughs> Yes. Yes, um, Jordan. <laughs> yes, Jordan. I respect. Yeah. And she's going to be on the show when we preview the Eagles. And our NFC East roundtable a few months ago was absolutely outstanding. Um, yeah. that, that was an awesome show. Um, but Dallas has won seven of their last eight against the Giants. They went one and one against each other in 2020. I remember we had you on for that week 17 show. It was you, me, and Hank. And it was pretty much a crapshoot who was going to win. I mean, the three of us each took our team in that game because why the hell not? It's the last game of the season. <laughs> what do you have to lose? And sure. the the Giants have not won in Dallas since 9-11, 2016. 
Eli Manning threw three touchdowns, and it was Sterling Shepard's first career touchdown scored in that game. That's how long ago the Giants won in Jerry World. And that really concerns me because that is a tough place to play. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, Dallas definitely has a huge advantage going into this game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Hank, I'll turn it over to you here with with the offense. But, man, that place is going to be rocking on Sunday. For sure. I'm really excited for this game, too. Very nervous, but, you know, should be a fun game. And now, Brian, one of the things I remember from our last conversation that we had about football was you were very much against signing Dak to long term, were you not? Well, it, for the money that he was going to get, yeah. Um, you know, the way the way the contract ended up, I think it couldn't have been set up any better for the Cowboys, given the fact that Dak was getting all that money. Like, it's 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 like he's going to get a restructure next year. It's kind of already built into it. And really, year four is going to get ripped up, and they'll figure it out. So if you were going to get paid and you could structure it the way that he did, it, look, it, it is it is what it is. I, I get very nervous paying guys who are not necessarily elite – elite money because then that precludes you from doing other things and makes you, you know, cut middle linebackers in the middle of week four for some reason, you know? So it's like, that's just kind of what happens. But um, look, the early returns have been great on him. Um, You know, let's remember that this is the game he got hurt in a week five home afternoon game against the giants. So like, it's, it's weird, right? It's like the universe, right? But this is, this is the spot that we're in. I mean, he's played really, really well to start the year. I mean, the Bucks game, he was, I, w- I wasn't going to blame him for being less than what he's been this year coming off that injury. But the fact that he's where he is coming off that injury is extremely impressive. And I, I have to give him full credit there. But what I like is that they've won games in different ways. They haven't relied on him necessarily. Like if you think back to last year, those first four games that he played, mind you, the defense was God awful, but they were putting up 35, 40 points. The only reason they had a win was because the Atlanta Falcons can't pick up an onside kick. Like they would, that would have been 0 4. Yeah. They can beat you through the air. They can beat you on the ground. They can play a little bit of defense now. So in a way, they're not relying on him. And I think that that helps him because maybe he doesn't feel the pressure that maybe you normally would. Hey, I actually can, we can win without me having to throw the ball 40 times. Right. No. Yeah. That's a good point. So obviously, I, now we know that. From what I'm, from what I understand, you seem to be pretty optimistic about him so far and the way he's played this season. But are you also nervous about his long-term future? Well, I mean, I think there's going to be another contract dispute in three years, so that'll be fun. That'll be nice and expensive. Um, I'm, I'm not asking. I mean, it, it, it. I think if you expect him to be Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be disappointed, right? And that's just the thing. Like, you know, we, we we put these quarterbacks in in the stratosphere, like they win and lose games. In many cases, they get all the blame either way. Do I do I know that he's a franchise guy? I don't think I necessarily know that yet, but to be fair, he's played really well this year. So if I if you can continue to do that, then prove me wrong. I'll be the happiest wrong person in America if you prove me wrong on that. But I, I don't know. I, I still have some concerns. I need I need to see it longer. And more consistent because again, I mean, you think back to the last year before last when when the last full year that he had, you know, the Cowboys had chances to you know win the defense, which wasn't very good, kept them in games and kept good teams to about seventeen ish points, and they couldn't score more than ten. So that comes down to the quarterback. Like I need to see you in a big spot, do right. something big. We're st- we're still in like September, October, right? The Cowboys are notorious for being trash in December. Let's talk in December and see what they look like. 
Yeah, no, all good, all good points. And yeah, if I were in your shoes, I'd probably be feeling the same way. I'm not one of those people that thinks of Dak as an elite quarterback. I mean, he's shown flashes of brilliance. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but like, I'm still not quite on that level. And again, this is from a total rivals perspective. I'm just not quite sold on him. Well, to, 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 yeah, give you an, to give you an analogy that I know you'll get, you know, Chris Kreider <laughs> has shown flashes of brilliance too for a long time. We're still yeah. waiting for him to break out. He's 30 years old. So, oh, I completely. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's how I see it. Like, yeah, I've seen you do this. Why can't you do this all the time? Yeah, yeah it's been since 2012, but uh, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just I'm really concerned, Sam. I, I'm very concerned about stopping the run again on on Sunday. I don't know what, what's. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is one heck of a running back who's kind of having like a resurgence of his career. Yeah, Zeke. Zeke has been somebody that I think a lot of people underestimated coming into this year. And he obviously had some trouble holding the ball last year and coming in now it is looking a hundred times better. And I mean, I think he had one of his longest runs of since last year or, or this year, 47 yards, I believe, was like one of his longest runs. So he's been great. So um, my question for you is that how exciting like is it to to see this guy that you also paid a lot of money for oh yeah with a great o-line and like finally seeing him break out in the way that you kind of have been expecting this entire time you know it's 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 as as tom will tell you i'm, I'm extremely critical of his drafting and his contract especially now right that the right. guy they took in the second round that year jalen smith no longer on the team and the guy who went after jalen smith Derrick Henry, you may have heard his name once or twice. He's pretty good. Uh, probably better than Zeke Elliott. Don't think I'm breaking news there. No, it's it's good to see him actually, you know, earn the money. You know, at least not like you're, you know, do your job because you're getting paid for it. But it, it kind of still begs the question. And I brought this question up last year, and I don't think it's really been answered. And maybe it will never be. Is it, I think it became evident that he is not anywhere close to elite without that elite offensive line. Mm -hmm. Ipso facto, why am I paying you? I'll just pay them because I can put somebody else behind that line like Tony Pollard and see good results. Like what is the marginal benefit you bring for all of that money? So look, I, I love seeing him do well. I hate drafting running backs high and I hate paying them, which is the decision you guys are going to have pretty soon here. Um, but, Look, I, I think having Pollard helps him. It's it's it, maybe he's rejuvenated because like he's he's here and though maybe you're not who you used to be type stuff, and maybe that motivates him. Great, don't care, run the football. I'm, I'm, whatever reason helps you helps you. But I think that Pollard helps him because he doesn't have to run as much. That maybe he's a little bit fresher later in games because there's he's still their closer. Like if you go back to the Charger game. You know, Pollard had a very nice day. He had more yards than Zeke that day. They both got in the end zone. But when it came down to crunch time at the end and they had to get in the field goal range, that was Elliott's ball. And that's what they were doing. So, like, he they st he still has their trust in those spots. Like, him and Pollard are completely different running backs. So, I think it's good that he has a Robin to his Batman because maybe, again, he doesn't have to feel like it's all on his shoulders. It's the same thing as Dak. Like, because you're getting support it's not all on you and maybe it just like makes it easier on them. I, whatever, whatever works. I mean, yeah, he's, he's um, what fourth in the league in rushing and he's 20 behind whoever's in second. And obviously Derek Henry is far and above and beyond, but it's a strength of theirs and they really should use it. And your offensive coordinator felt they really shouldn't use it as much when he was. 
I, I saw something very um I, I forgot I was like watching a video or something but somebody said Zeke eats and Pollard picks up the crumbs and I think that that was a very good way of putting it is that Zeke obviously is like your starting running back he comes out here he does this amazing stuff and Pollard just comes up and he just scoops up the rest of it and just kind of finishes it off for us and for not for us but for the Cowboys yeah, um, <laughs> um but I think that that is just like I think yeah. that because they're so different, it works. It's like a yin and a yang kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really haven't really had a lot of time where they're doing the field together. I'd like to see that just kind of creatively, just to kind mm-hmm. of see like what, how they would even account for that. Um, but it is. I mean, you you can really play a lot of misdirection, and, and they both run, and they both they both do play action. Like they they can run very similar offenses with either of them on the field. I think that that's good because you can really disguise quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out to our friend across the pond, David Yates. Thank you so David. much for joining us. Uh, good supporter of ours. And Chubb is second, 150 yards behind. Hen- yeah, Henry's in a, in a class of his own right now. Yeah. But um, my next question for you is about Dalton Schultz. And this is the scariest. Also, quick question. Would you start Tyler Higby or Dalton Schultz in your fantasy lineup this week? Ah, uh, to be honest, Higby's Higby's on the Rams, right? Yeah, it's probably it's probably Higby because really. Well, here's the thing. I actually just traded Schultz in a league. I I I did what I felt was a sell high. I think it made a lot of sense because there's really he's look he's not a bad player. Don't get me wrong. I I do like the player. I like Blake Jarwin too, and I think that having the both of them healthy helps the other. There's really no reason why this can be a Blake Jarwin feature type game. Like it's not as if like he's so much better than the other guy. I think they're very equally talented. So it, I think that like, you know, football, it's week to week. I mean, it's just the flavor of the week. Like he scored a couple touchdowns all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's, you know, the next Tony Gonzalez, but again, it's nothing says to me that that the exact thing that he did can't be done by Blake Jarwin. Like it's not as if, Dalton Schultz is now Travis Kelsey. I think we'd, we'd be kidding ourselves to, to think that to think that way. So Schultz is a t- it's, it's touchdown dependent. I mean, it, right. it depends who gets the ball. I think the fact at some point, CD Lamb will remember he's on the team, or they'll remember he's on the team, and maybe throw the, hit, the, hit the ball to him a little more often to put some money in my fantasy draft pick. But it's just you know, again, like it's not as if like he differentiates himself this could easily be Blake Jarwin so I, I think that when you play him in fantasy for example you're banking on getting in the end zone because I think if he doesn't you're not gonna necessarily he doesn't get that lock yardage that like another tight end would because he's the only one there he's a poor man's Evan Ingram well, well how, is, is Evan is he even playing uh, I don't know I mean Kyle Rudolph is our tight end one at this point there's there's no behind that but i ask you that question brian because the giants have given up touchdowns to tight ends uh every week this season they gave up a touchdown to noah fant they gave up a touchdown to ricky seals jones when they played washington who's a backup they gave up a touchdown to lee smith who's a backup tight end for the falcons and they gave up a tight end uh a tight end a touchdown to jawan johnson last sunday so it's been four consecutive weeks the giants have given up a touchdown to tight ends and we can't cover tight ends, especially with our middle linebacker, Blake Martinez, being out for the season with the torn ACL, which is a crushing blow to this defense. Yeah. Um, how do you expect the Cowboys to use their tight ends against the Giants on Sunday and Schultz in particular? 
It would it wouldn't surprise me if they if they did a lot of the same thing they did against the Eagles. You know, Schultz was open a lot across the middle. But having said that, it could easily be Jarwin. So I don't necessarily know that it's one or the other. They both may eat. It depends on how the Giants. I mean, you guys know more about your secondary than I do. Obviously, if they're going to be able to cover the guys on the outside because they're extremely right. talented on the outside, even with Gallup not playing. So it's it's one of those things where like who are you going to cover? Because if you're going to, you know cover the receivers that you have tight ends will get open. If you decide to kind of, you know, move in towards the tight ends, those are very elite receivers to throw the ball to. Oh, by the way, they can run the ball out of the backfield with two different guys. The offense, I mean, again, you know, it's, it's very good. Obviously it's very, he he has a lot of talent around him. So that's why I'm always kind of hesitant to say, well, how good are you? Like you're in a great spot. Like think, think of like offices around the league with that kind of, with the line and the receivers and the running backs and everything. Like he gets a lot of credit, but he's in a very good spot. I think it's very possible to say that one or both of those tight ends get in the end zone, but I don't know. I don't know if it's a yardage thing. That's the only thing. Like, like you mentioned him in fantasy, it could easily be like, I could tell you to start Dalton Schultz and like, you know, pump, pump my chest and then Blake Jarwin goes off for, you know, six eighty in a touchdown. So it's kind of like, you can't read it. I think, it, I, think, I think they're getting better at taking what the defense gives them. So if you're going to give them the tight end, they're going to take it. They're not really pressing as much. I don't think this year, which is good. Yeah, I mean, and before I get to Hank's point too, Jabril Pepper's status is in doubt for Sunday, so that's another big blow to our secondary. He did not practice today. Help. Sam's very upset. That's a third <laughs> captain, Hank. No, I'm, I'm just as, as upset as she is. And so now, speaking of linebackers, we know the Cowboys just released Jalen Smith on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I think the real question is what caused Smith to fall out of the rotation? Was it something to do with like him not playing in the system? And how do you feel about the current linebackers on the roster? So it's funny because the, coming into the year before the even draft happened, they obviously had, you know, a lot of draft capital in that position. I mean, Sean Lee was there forever. Now he's not there anymore, but Leighton Van Der Esch uh, was a first round pick. Jalen Smith was a high second. And they, in the draft this year, obviously they took Micah Parsons, um, early in the first round. Then took Jabril Cox in the fourth, who probably should not have been there. And I think the reason that, you know, Jalen Smith's not really here is because, you know, he he got that deal signed. And, like, ever since Penn hit paper, like, he's really fallen off. He fell off even more because he felt a favor in this specific defense that Dan Quinn runs. And I think they got to the point where they didn't want to risk him getting hurt and getting an injury guarantee for next year. Although – I really hate the way that they handled this because, you know, I have not gotten hurt playing football. Why I'm on the sidelines or I'm not playing. So like they easily could have just kept, they they could have bubble wrapped them on the side and not worried about dead cap for next year. That's just what they do. Um, I'm not surprised he got a job so quickly. I mean, the talent's been there. I don't think he was ever going to be what he was prior to that massive injury. And I think that if it wasn't their team doctor that did the surgery, they probably would not have taken Jalen Smith that year in the draft. I, I do believe that. Um, but again, when you, when you put a high pick into Micah Parsons, who's one of the, one of the defensive stories of the, of the year, especially on this team with, with Trayvon Diggs, you start to say, you know, do we really want this much money in this position? If we're not, if, is the juice worth the squeeze? So I think that I would have handled it differently. I apparently couldn't even get a deal done with a trade. The contract was bad when it was signed, but you make it a, just worse upon worse when then you have dead cap after it. I guess I didn't see a spot for him. Didn't want to keep him around. Again, it's not fantastic cap management, but that's par for the course. <laughs> Dan Quinn. <laughs> see, you know, Noah's a, Noah's a Falcons fan. I love Dan Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> 
because this defense doesn't look this good, I think, since I was in college and I'm 37. So right. do the math. Like it's like it's it's wild how actually how good it looks, despite the fact that again it's ranked 26. I'm not really worried about that, but they look like at least a functional professional defense. That's more than I've asked for. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of Dan Quinn and the defense, it's looked good, but in the red zone, it hasn't looked great. They've given up 10 red zone touchdowns and 15 trips to opposing teams. Uh, how concerned are you about the Cowboys red zone defense, despite going up against an offense in the Giants that struggles in the red zone themselves? Longer term, I think they need to button it up. Obviously, again, it's they're not going to be a top 10 defense. I don't think anybody's going to think that they're going to be, but it, they look better. I, I I don't know what the numbers are though on that Tom, as far as, you know, when those red zone touchdowns came, like, again, was it, was it a lot from what the bucks were doing? Was it in the garbage time against the Eagles or even, even in the last game against the, 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 um, the Panthers when Sam Donald ran two of them in, for example, whatever that so, I mean, I, I'd like to see a larger sample size before I start panicking about something like that. I can't really be upset at the defense because it was so bad that like now that it's not terrible, we're good. Like it's like you can't like you, you can't expect everything to change that quickly. Yes, they need to address it. You need to get better there and maybe getting Jamal Smith off the field is going to help them there. We'll find out. Uh, maybe Jabril Cox getting a larger role will help them. But, you know, again, it's not so much necessarily just because it's the Giants, but it's if, if that's the weakness, then obviously they need to be focusing on that. And you think Micah Parsons, this comment from David, defensive I mean, rookie of the year? I mean, at this point, he's got to be leaving the clubhouse, right? I mean, he looks unbelievable. He's playing out of position for the most part, which is even crazier. Seriously, him and Trayvon Diggs. I mean, you had me on before the season. You asked me if Diggs was the number one. I said, I don't think he is right now, but he could be, and he could get grow into that role. I know it was going to take him two weeks to do that, but he did. <laughs> so, Five it, picks. Yeah, I, I, I'm thrilled. I mean, again – so much was made when they let Byron Jones walk. Like, oh, what are you going to do with your cornerback? Well, this kid was drafted, and he easily could have, he easily could have been their pick where C.D. Lamb was taken. That was on the table, and then he fell to them in the second round, and it was just unbelievable. Like, I, I didn't love the Lamb pick because I felt that you need to go to your defense there because your defense was so bad, mm-hmm. and it felt like a luxury pick to get another wide receiver for this team, but it worked out. So great, um, he's been unbelievable. I mean, you just hope he can continue that couple comments before I get to Sam here. Um, Nick says, let's go Cowboys. Uh, says Jabril Cox time in Dallas. Shout out Nick Lombardi. I love that pick because he was supposed yeah. to go a lot earlier than that. Like for just from a pure value perspective. I mean, they, they had some questions in that draft. If you remember like guys that like, like Nation Wright was taken. Everybody's who the hell is that? Like nobody even had him on their board and they took him in the third round, but worked out. David says, I backed it off the bat with Garrett for defensive MVP. And then Noah says, seen three of the four Cowboys games, Diggs is a stud. Well, yes, you have, because I think they played Atlanta in one of them, right? Or did they? No, yeah, not, they, not yet. They played Philly and the Giants. Yeah, that's the, They played two mm-hmm. NFC's opponents. But, no, um, I think because the Cowboys have been on nationally, that's probably why he's seen them. But nonetheless, he's right about Diggs. He's, he's been amazing. Unbelievable. We, they haven't had that kind of corner in a long time. All right, Sam, we'll get to you here now. Yeah, for sure. And just real quick, I don't know if you guys watched Hard Knocks this year with the Cowboys, but Trayvon Diggs has the cutest son <laughs> in the entire world, and it is so cute. But um, in let's all right, so let's just say that the Giants win this game, mm-hmm. which is actually possible. I sure. think absolutely possible. 
and usually division rivalry, especially with Cowboys Giants, it could it can get very very interesting. So let's just say you know everybody has kind of been like Cowboys are going to win the division this year. It seems like a lot of people have have caught onto that. So let's just say the Giants win this game against the Cowboys. Do you think the division shifts with this kind of win, or do you think people are like, oh, it's just one game? You know, the Cowboys are going to bounce back. I think it would give the Giants an absolute ton of confidence. I mean, you saw the way when they when they won last week in New Orleans. I mean, they were like the 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 weight of the world was lifted off their shoulders to finally get one in the win column. So I think if you're able to then, you know, go into Dallas and beat a team that Tom said like you haven't beaten in so long, like you're only going to go out of that game with just you know really really feeling good about yourself. Confidence is dangerous in this game. So I don't necessarily think you're going to get calls for, oh, the Giants are going to win the division, but I think you immediately separate the Giants from that muddled Eagles-Washington group as far as like who's trying to get into that second spot. Mm-hmm. And you look, I, I thought the Giants were disrespected coming into the year. You know, I like what Joe Judge did there last year. I thought that they won a lot of games last year that they had no business winning. They were in a lot of games, even the ones that they lost. So everybody was all about, you know, oh, it's going to be Washington-Washington. I wasn't really buying any of that. Like I thought the Giants could absolutely finish in second place. And I think that if they're able to get a win here, even if they don't, I think that they have the ability. If they if they can continue to just build off what they did in New Orleans, they can be second in this division. Is it enough to get into a wild card? I don't know. The NFC is pretty deep, but they could they, they might be a better team this year than last year, but the record might not show it in a weird way. Like I I, I of the rivals in the division, like they're more concerning to me. If Daniel Dines is the quarterback and that, and they know it, like, and then they build that way. Like they know that's their guy. That was always a question for me. I think Tom, we talked about that where it's kind of like, you know, this is the year where like, you need to basically tell us it's, it's you because before we sign Saquon to a big deal, we need to know that we have the quarterback for the future because running backs don't laugh, don't live forever. So we can't be rebuilding again. If we're paying an elite running back, all that money he's going to request. So I, like I said, if, if they come out of this game with a win, which is completely on the table, their confidence is going to be through the roof, and they're going to they're they're going to be able to say, "Hey, we we can play with these guys. If we stick with them, we can catch them." And beliefs belief is dangerous. Well, what do you think of this comment from an opposition viewpoint? Do you think Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback? Have you seen enough from him yet to make that determination? Because I know Hank just invested in a jersey today. When I spoke to Mike, well, that's Letta, a kiss of death, then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> when I when I spoke to you and Mike, Mike seemed very Mike seemed a little bit higher on him than you did. Not saying that you weren't, but I, I think Mike is kind of bought in. I, I feel like he's passed his eye test. From you being a fan of a team that's in our division, you've seen him twice a year. So what do you think? He's the leading rusher on the team, right? So that's good. Yeah, uh, by two yards. <laughs> by two yeah. yards. Um, <laughs> he, just, he, he just does it in flashes. I mean, like, I remember the first year he was – like, I remember that Tampa game where he just, like, was, like, throwing the ball to Darius Layton all over the field. I'm like, wow, they really think – they think they got somebody. But it's just it's, it's just the consistency's not there. Most players in the league, like, you'll see them do great things in a very small sample. The great ones just continue to do it over and over again, like an Aaron Rodgers. So it's tough. I mean, I, th- I think if he – if he's not the reason they lose games, for example, like if he keeps his turnovers down, it's hard to say that they, they, they're not going to, they're going to make a change there. Um, but, but having said that, I'm, I'm a big, like, look back at what could have been with the draft. And I think if they didn't take Daniel Jones that year, you probably have Justin Herbert because they loved Justin Herbert in that draft last year. Look, Sam knows, right? Oh, like that's, 
I would have been crying. No, listen, <laughs> listen, we could be Miami right now. No, I agree with you. No, I, again, look, it's it's what it could have should have. Obviously, I'm not saying it. You know, it is what it is. But like, there was some talk even in that year. Could the Giants make a change and take him? So, if you did, if they didn't take him, I think Herbert would be the quarterback, and Herbert looks just unbelievable. So, it's I don't I don't think I I don't think you can say it one way or another yet. I mean, he's not done anything where you say he's lost the job, but I don't necessarily know that. Like, other than small samples that he's gone out and won the job longer term does that make sense like he he, he's 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 looked great like unbelievable at times and then he's also falling over the 20 yard line in philly last year so it's like it's just those moments that like you kind of like it's almost like you pull back you're like i'm not sure like i'm just not sure well last year the new scheme definitely hurt him learning the new scheme in the short off season under um Jason Garrett's offensive scheme. I mean, you know how Garrett's offensive scheme runs. I think one of the keys to this game is we'll dive into that segment now is to protect Daniel Jones. As Noah says, they did that well on Sunday against the Saints. The Giants have the seventh ranked passing offense. So when Jones has time to throw, I think he's spot on. I mean, we've seen that and we've seen the weapons that the Giants have had. They're filthy. What scares me is you guys have rushers like Randy Gregory, Micah Parsons can rush the passer. So, and I, I like that rookie Osa Otigizua inside in the trenches. I think he's really good too at a UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am a little concerned with our offensive line in this game, but um, I think the fact that Andrew Thomas has also taken a step forward has helped Daniel Jones take a step forward. Cause Hank and Sam, you could both account to the fact that Andrew Thomas's success ties in with Daniel Jones's success. They're both growing together and there's no player that works harder on this football team than Daniel Jones. I Correct. mean, we all know that. He's Correct. day in and day out, the most hardest working player on this football team, and it's showing right now. He didn't have Shepard last week. He didn't have Slayton last week. He had half of Evan Ingram. I mean, he hasn't had Evan Ingram. Um, look at this. Ryan Vigil says Jason Garrett was a good hire. I'm wondering uh, if this is clickbait here. or No, he's, um, he's, got, the, he's got the Pinocchio. Uh, no, he's Pinocchio. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, are we like watching it. the same games? <laughs> also, a lot of people think Washington is overrated. We have David oh, saying it and Noah you know, saying it. Washington should be zero and four, and you could argue the Giants should be three and one. You absolutely could argue that, and and I was, you know, razzing my Washington fan friend on the sports box, Brant Meeks. It's like all I heard all off season was. The Cowboys would probably win the division, but you know that Washington defense is so good. I'm like, well, now that now it stinks, and right. you know, again, so they took Chase Young over over Justin Herbert. Now they have no quarterback, and their defense stinks. So congratulations! Like it's like you can't when you have a quarterback that you could go get, go get them. Like if you don't have one, you need that first, then build around. I hated that pick for them. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. He's going to be a very good player, but it's like. How many how many more defensive line guys do you want to put first round picks into? Like until you straight hand jersey, by the way. Yeah, I know you have a straight hand jersey, but (laughs) he's saying too soon, Hank. I was way too soon. If Hank was too soon, I'm light years too soon. Kevin, what's up, Kevin? Not all the blame should go on Joe Judge. The defense needs to step up big time. Everyone else is every everyone else on offense is putting the work in except Ingram. Um, yeah, Ingram's so bad. Uh, you spelt his name with an I, so I do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> look, um, 
Yeah, I think one of the keys, too, is keeping Tony involved in the offense. And, Brian, you're not going to like hearing this stat, but the Cowboys have 29 missed tackles. That is the sixth highest in the NFL. Not saying the Giants are much better than that. But, um, Sam, what is one of your keys to the game on Sunday? I would say that the one of the big things is, is that obviously we saw the Giants struggle this week with the Saints and the run game. And that's something that we've been discussing throughout this show is like that's going to be one of the biggest things that we need to contain, because if the Giants don't do that, it's just it's not going to be it's not going to be good for us. And Zeke's going to run all over us. Tony Pollard's going to run all over us. It's just not going to be good. And I think that even for the Cowboys on the other side of things they need to they need to watch out now for the fact that Jason Garrett is letting Daniel Jones throw the ball I think that that's going to be something that's when it's good it's good and if it's not it's not I mean Jason Garrett I'm sure that you know is not the he's a very conservative play caller which is like not really great for our offense so the 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 more you know the the how do I how do I word this? Like kind of like the the more outgoing he is, I think the better that the offense will be, and I think that we kind of saw that this year. So I think the Cowboys kind of need to be aware of how far Daniel Jones can actually throw the ball, and when he can't, he's gonna run. And I mean, there was a bunch of times Sam Darnold did that to you guys last week. So you gotta you gotta watch out for that for that green bean running down the field. Yeah. Because he 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 might be lanky, but he can take off. And, and, and I guess my 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 biggest concern in this game, other than the leading rusher on the Giants being Daniel Jones and obviously the quarterback running the winning couple touchdowns last last weekend, is is Kadarius Tony, frankly, because as far as I know, is Shepard's not playing, correct? He didn't practice today, so I wouldn't expect him to. And hamstrings are tricky. I don't think he's yeah. going to play. And Slayton's not playing, correct? No, he's okay. more than more more than likely not going to okay. play. So okay, so then you got to figure that Diggs is on Galladay. That would make sense. So then now Kadarius Tony goes up against Anthony Brown, who I have little to no confidence in. So I think if Diggs does his job, that if the Giants are smart, they will target Kadarius Tony against Anthony Brown. And having his breakout game last week, you would think you know something stays in motion until it doesn't they should continue to exploit their first round pick and throw the ball to him in a spot where I think he's going to be able to get open and really hurt the Cowboys that way. He's probably the one guy that I I think that might make or break the game is if he has a big game, then they're in, they they could easily be in trouble. I think Diggs will do fine on Galladay. It's just, I, my confidence in Trayvon Diggs is through the roof with good reason. I added to that. Right. That's the thing. Like that's where I think if the giants are, Trying to exploit a weakness, obviously you you can run on the Cowboys, but that's the guy that I think could could hurt them. I I don't disagree with what you're saying about our our game plan that it should be to attack Darius Tony, but my fear is that airing it out too often will play into Dallas's game, where you won't win a shootout with the Cowboys. That that's how I feel. I mean, Carolina threw a lot last week, but they were without McCaffrey, right? So I think Barkley is going to be more key in this game. Than people think. And Noah brings up a good point. Tony is a good player. His OC is just a clown. Should replace Ronald McDonald, uh, referring <laughs> to the uh, red red hair. Um, yeah, I don't I don't miss him. No. <laughs> I'm gonna put it lightly. Um, I don't miss him. Take him back. No, yeah. <laughs> can't listen. Hank, what do you, what do you got for us? I well, first of all, I don't miss Ronald McDonald either. But second of all, um, neither do I. You know, 
I would say one of the keys to this game also got to get off the field on third down. We know that's been a problem a few times for the Giants in other games. And, you know, while I think definitely they made some bigger stops in the last few weeks, it's still it's still something to watch out for because, you know, Dak Prescott, as I've said, we've seen his flashes of brilliance. He can definitely change a game at any moment, and you still got other weapons on that team. So as far as this show is going to go on, that is always going to be a key to the game for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, before I get to Sam's point and get Brian's key, I mean, I personally think you have to pressure Dak Prescott. I mean, this defense has just six sacks through four games, and three of them are from a rookie, right? Um, it doesn't get easier. You got Tyron Smith and Terrence Steele, who's filling in for uh, Collins. And then Tyron Smith, again, PFF is a, a guideline that I use, but I don't hold it to the book, where I do know the numbers are a little bit inflated in some respects, but – Tyron Smith has a 91.6 PFF offense grade. That's second among tackles. He's fifth in pass blocking, and his run blocking grade is over 90. So he's rock solid. And then Zach Martin, who's my favorite player on Dallas for obvious reasons that Hank knows, um, is the top guard in the NFL, according to PFF. And again, a great pass blocker and an even better run blocker. So, I mean, what more could you ask? The fact that Dallas still has a steady sturdy offensive line scares me because that's something the saints were missing last week. Mm -hmm. They didn't have Teron Armstead and that really hurt them. You have Cesar Ruiz, who's a young developing center. Their O-line isn't as good as the Cowboys. So that's going to pose a lot of matchup nightmares for the giants edge rushers and interior defensive linemen, which quite frankly, yes, I'd rather here's where giants fans get me a little annoyed. They asked me, Oh, um, we, we should still have Dalvin Tomlinson, right? We would be so much better if had, but then you wouldn't be able to keep Leonard Williams and you'd be asking yourself the same thing, right? If you had Tomlinson and not Williams, let's say the scenario was reversed. Well, we really miss Leonard Williams and he's, re he's really affected us. You were going to lose one of those two players. Giants fans don't seem to understand that. Not all, but most. That That's where I stand with that. I mean, hey, the cap is a necessary evil, unfortunately. Dakota? Prescott is yeah. that a, uh, that's that a, it's actually his middle name. It is his middle really? name. Actually, it's his actually first Rain. name is Rain. Yeah, Rain Dakota Prescott. I did not know that. Petition yeah. to call him Rain Dakota. I call him Rain Dakota all the time, and nobody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. I mean, call him Bill for all I care. Just keep throwing touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, something that I just want to kind of ask you before before we move on is. So I actually asked this to someone I had on my podcast this week um, who's also a Cowboys fan. And I love to get opposite takes from people who are not Giants fans on this because I know what we what our strong points are and what our weak points are. But what are you fearing about the Giants this week? Is there anything that you're actually like, ooh, I'm a little nervous about that going into this game? I, I think it's a mixture of two things. A, it's confidence, like I said, because now, I mean, look, they're coming in here at 0-4. They're like, you know, woe is me. Like, that's a completely different team that you're playing. Coming off the win that they had last week, I mean, you're coming with a bit more jump in your step. Like, you actually believe a little bit more. And, yeah, like, I know they, have, they haven't won here in, what you say, almost like six, seven years, whatever. But, again, you, you're not coming in with an 0 in the win column. Like, you're just a completely different player after that because you don't worry about it. But, like I said, I, I think, to me, offensively, it doesn't shock me if Kadarius Tony gets 100 yards. Doesn't shock me if he gets in the end zone twice. Like that to me is, is 
they don't have a second corner. Like Anthony Brown's just not really a, a number a number two corner. So, you know, when they when all the talk of um Gilmore getting released, I thought maybe Dallas would make a phone call, then it didn't happen. That's a weak spot for them. Again, I mean they they do need to address it, especially if if Diggs continues to raise his profile, he almost might end up getting treated a little bit like Revis Island, where they're not even gonna try to throw the ball at him, they'll just throw the ball to the other guy because he's open. Don't don't force it. Um the, the, the Giants always play the Cowboys tough. I mean, even even games the Cowboys end up winning, just like weird stuff happens in those games. So it's like you could never take anything for granted. I know they're a, a pretty decently heavy favorite in this game. That means nothing. It's a divisional game in the NFC East. Um I, I will tell you one thing. I, I have zero concern that Jason Garrett remembers anything this team does. I, I not, not even like, like that isn't even on my radar. It's like, how, <laughs> you know, like I was like, oh, he's gonna get revenge. I, good, good for you. No, like, no. Can barely so, tie your shoes. Like I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Would you say your key to the game then is pretty much staying confident and knowing where Kadarius Tony is on the football field? Well, that, and I think I think if the Giants get out to a lead, again, the Cowboys haven't really trailed that much. Right. You know, they've been in games, even against the Bucks. I don't recall them being down, like, more than, like, you know, two touchdowns. I don't think they've been down two touchdowns. To my recollection, I could be wrong. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but if, if the Giants come out there, score first, and then get them a stop, like, then you're going to start to say, well, like, you know, if you can get up, like, you know, 14 nothing, 10 nothing, like, all of a sudden, then maybe the Cowboys run their offense differently. I mean, if the Cowboys get a lead, they're very good at keeping a lead with their running game and i don't know if the giants would then be they might have to really try to air it out at that point to stay back in the game it's not the giants can score with the cowboys like I, i'm i'm a little more bullish on them maybe than you are tom on that and that like you they can win a shootout with the cowboys if it got down to it if they mm-hmm. had to necessarily would they would like to be in a shootout with the cowboys yeah. but if it came down to it like they, they can they're fine like they'll they'll figure it out i mean i still think the best individual most talented offensive player in the field still saquon barkley so when you have that you always have a shot. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, I'm just envisioning before I found out that Shepard wasn't, was Shepard was the guy I was more, more concerned about. Cause I always thought he was very good, just underrated good. And even Slayton's always had good, good chemistry with, with, with Jones. So, but I, I think again, Tony coming off that breakout game, you could easily see another one of those. That's that way. If I were the giants, that's the direction that I look. Watch out for Caden Smith too. That's a player. Nobody talks about. I truthfully think he, is like he should be the number two tight end on this football team. It just so happens that Evan Ingram is still wearing, unfortunately, a, bl- a blue jersey. And that's the reality of the situation. And he's had good chemistry with Jones as well. Um, before we get into score predictions, because I know Brian's got to run over to his hockey show, I want each of us to give a player to watch for each team. Um, even though we already kind of touched upon a few players. Brian, I'll start with you here. One player for Dallas one player for New York. They better get CD lamb, the damn football. This is ridiculous. They're really not throwing much to him. And he's too talented for him, for them not to do that. Um, I mean, if, if he starts really starting to break out again, you know, their offense just takes another level. Um, but that's, if the giants focus on the tight end, I think lamb will be more open. So I, I think if CD lamb has a big game, I think the Cowboys, I mean, if any team is going to blow the other team out. I think it would be Dallas blowing out the Giants. I don't think the Giants would blow Dallas out. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it went one one way or another, I think it would go that way. Lamb's a supremely talented receiver, who I'm the first person to admit I didn't like the draft pick because it was another wide receiver. Kid's playing great. I mean, he's just super talented. And on the Giants side of things, again, I know I've I've been gushing over Kadarius Tony. I really like the draft pick. I like – 
I didn't like them taking a receiver. I liked that it was that receiver, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't, I still don't understand why they felt to the need to, like, you know, go get Galladay and, I mean, John Ross is John Ross, but like, and then go get Tony, like, there was nothing else that you needed. But they went that direction. I liked him a lot in this draft. So I thought it was a really good pick for them. Plus, the trade worked out. Sam, who do you got? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go defense for both of these teams. I'm gonna say on Dallas's side, it's got to be Trayvon Diggs because of all of obviously being getting one plus interceptions in every single game is obviously something to be looking out for. Um, and especially with him going up, most likely against Galladay is going to be something to keep a lookout for. And on the Giants side of the ball, I'm gonna go Ojulari mostly because of the fact that last week we really didn't see much of him. And I have a feeling that he's going to want to come out in this game, especially in a division game, and get that sack again that that he missed last week. So uh, those are my two guys. Yeah, All right. He did All not right. have it. Hold on, Hank. I just want to say he didn't have a sack last week, but that tackle on fourth and one really helped us stay in that football game against New Orleans. Yes. Definitely. All right. As for my guys. I'm going to go on defense for the Cowboys. I'm going to say Micah Parsons. So far, he's gotten off to a really good start. 17 tackles, three of them for a loss, two and a half sacks. We know he's going to get a bigger role now that Smith's gone. But the real ta- the real test for him will be going up against Andrew Thomas. As you mentioned, Andrew Thomas has been really good at protecting linebackers from getting sacks. And he pretty much, as Tom alluded to earlier in the show, deleted Cameron Jordan and I think it'll be interesting to see how Parsons does if he's going up again. Already. For sure. I was there. I was there last night. I went to AEW. I know. I, I, <laughs> I saw that on your social media. Yeah. I, I didn't want to bring it up, but I knew right away what you were referring to. Uh, <laughs> us yeah. WWE, AEW guys. Yeah. There's not many. There's not many of us, but sorry, Hank. Continue. Sam, who's your favorite pro wrestler? As far as uh, players start, <laughs> I'm. Gonna- I have no idea. <laughs> I've never watched wrestling a day in my life. But anyways, oh, as far as watch for Go the Giants, I'm going to say Daniel Jones because, again, gotten off to a good start. I'd love to see how he does against a rival. And I think the real reason I'm picking Daniel Jones is because he's had three straight great games this year. Like, not, none, of, none of these games he made a bad mistake that really affected the game. And I want to – and against the – Big time rival in the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is a game where it's going to be a real test to see whether that continues. And if the line helps him out, and if if he keeps playing the way he did last week, I would not be surprised if he has another big game again this week. Yeah, I mean, and another thing too on the road, Jones has played sixteen career away games, twenty five touchdowns, and only seven picks. He's played much better on the road than at home. Um, for me, for Dallas, uh, it's Dalton Schultz. I mean, I'm sorry, but. Uh, six catches, 58 yards, and a score last week. His scored a touchdown in his last two games, and we know the Giants struggled to cover tight ends. He has three touchdowns on the season. No Blake Martinez, no Jabril Peppers. I don't know if I trust Tay Crowder and Logan Ryan trying to cover uh, tight ends. The Giants definitely struggle in pass coverage. And then for the offense, um, I think I'm going to go Barkley because whichever running back plays the better game will probably give their team the edge here, right? Um, again, we mentioned we don't want to get into a shootout with the Cowboys. Brian thinks we have a shot in a shootout. I don't. Difference of opinion there, but, um, you know, we also need to get Barkley involved in that passing game now. And we did that last week. He had five catches, no Shepard, no Slayton, no problem. And if you rewrite that script, 
John Ross had a pretty good game last week. So you still have four viable options and Kyle and Evan. The Giants still have a ton of weapons offensively, even if Shepard and Slayton don't play, which is where it's looking like now. And Brian, I have one last question for you, and then I want your score prediction, and then we'll, and then we'll let you go. If there is one player you could steal from the Giants, who would it be and why? Leonard Williams is a monster of a man. He's, he is just on I, – I was – when they traded for him, I thought it was kind of weird because I didn't think the Giants were, were going to make the playoffs this year and they and that year and they didn't. And question if you could sign him or not. But I mean, at his position, he he is fantastic. I mean, that's offensively the Cowboys are fine. I'm not really worried about that. But I would tell you, like, he would be such a crazy addition to the inside of that in, that offensive line, defensive line. I would love to have a guy like that. But he, I mean, he's as you know. I mean, like they gave him the money, so I mean, they believe in him too. He is just an unbelievable player. A huge piece of that Giants defense. I like, I like that answer a lot. I mean, Leonard Williams, we gave him the bag. And at this time, score predictions, Brian, as the Cowboys fan, you will go first. And um, I think I know where you're heading here, but I'll give you the floor. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't I don't think they blow him out. The Cowboys will score points in this game. I think the Cowboys get about 31 points. They can just, it's up on the Giants, see how, how where they get after that. My initial inclination was like 31-23, like not like a crazy game, but like a one-score game where the Giants at the end like maybe try to get the touchdown and just don't. Um, I, I don't think the Giants are as bad as people outside of division of this division think teams in this division are. I think that I, I really like what Joe Judge has done in a short period of time. I mentioned that to you a couple of times because I really – they won games last year they should not have been in without that running back. Like they actually ended up playing better without Saquon Barkley, which is weird. Like I don't know why, but they did, and they won more games. I think he's a good head coach. I hope he doesn't get if, – if if they fall off, I hope he doesn't get the blame for it because I think he might need more time to build the roster and what he wants. Um but again, look, the Cowboys are going to score points. The question is, can that defense hold up? I think, and if they can contain Tony, I think they're in a good, a really good spot because I think Saquon will always get his. You really can't game plan for that entirely. Um, but given the fact that the Giants are hurting at wide receiver, if you can keep those those big two taken care of, there's not a lot behind them right now. So I, I think 31-23 ish is kind of where my head's up. Interesting because fun fact, I believe what's the line? Seven and a half? Seven, seven and a half, yeah. The Giants are 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games against the NFC East, 5-1 and against the spread in their last six games in October, and they're 20-6 and against the spread in their last 26 road games. I don't know what it is. We played much better on the road than at home, so that's a little interesting <laughs> fact, but um, interesting. Uh, we can't I, win I did that not, life. I did not know that. I, I will now change my wagers. So <laughs> um, It's legal now. <laughs> Brian, if you want to stick around for our predictions, you can. If you got to go, you got to go. I know yeah, I, 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 I do minutes, have to so. talk a, little, a little puck with the guys. But listen, hey, thanks for having me on. I always love coming on Review and Preview. Sportsbox is great supporters of you guys. And, you know, you guys are in our thoughts. Obviously, I, I was very sad to hear, uh, you know, your friend Brian, who was part of the show, uh, passed away. I never had a chance to meet him or, or do a show with him. But, I, I mean, obviously, we've gotten friendly over it a little bit. And I can see, like – he was important to you guys and that that's it's really sad but you know the the longer you guys keep this going for him i think he'll, his memory will live on and i think that's part of the part of you know doing something like this is you, you're able to build this over time it, it's sad to see what happened to him but you know god, god bless him rest in peace and i think you guys will do well for him thanks brian i really do appreciate that that means a lot coming from you guys and we're big supporters of you guys as well so thank you so much for that Thanks, guys. We'll right. talk, we're going to go talk some hockey. Hey, the Rangers are making the playoffs. <laughs> Love it. First of all, I have one thing. That you're damn right. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're making a playoffs this year. It's, that's You're damn right. Back, yeah. We'll check you out in just a few moments. All right, guys. Uh, thanks Take a lot, care. Brian. Good, Brian. Well, good luck, but not really. You know how it is. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> All right. LGR. All right, guys. Take care. See you, Brian. All right. That was Brian Natard from the Sports Box. Uh, he's an awesome guy. He's, you know, one of my favorite guys to talk to when it comes to the Giants, the Cowboys, NFCE stuff. He, he's awesome. He says 31-23, so he's going against the law of averages here. Uh, Sam, you're next. What's your prediction and final score? Uh, I'm going to go Giants this week. I'm feeling okay. good about it. I'm feeling excited. I Maybe I am a little confident after last week, but I'm going to go 28-24 Giants. I think that we're, we're going to be able to put these points on the board and get this very, very important divisional win under our belt. Okay. You want to know one fact? The Giants have never won a game in the Joe Judge era where they scored over 30 points. I actually think that's going to change this week. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to go 31-27 G-Men. Oh, my nice. gosh. Sam, what, what was your score again? 28-24. Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't I don't see it. No, I, don't, I don't see it. Um, Dallas is going to win this football game. They're the better football team. Um, I want to pick my Giants. I want everybody to go home happy tonight, and I would love to win back-to-back football games on the road. But um, Giants have historically not done well in Dallas over the last five years. I don't see that continuing. However, they're going to cover the spread. Dallas is not winning by more than a touchdown. I have Dallas winning by a final score of 27-24. to And as concerned as I am about Dalton Schultz, I don't think he gets in the end zone this week. I think this is the first time this season the Giants will not give up a touchdown to a tight end, and that's why I just left Tyler Higby in my starting lineup for my fantasy team this week. (laughs) I'm a true Giants fan, and I will not start a Cowboy against my football team. Well done. Well Um, done. And then Noah has a quick question. Considering your opinions on paying running backs, I know. Thoughts on Tony Pollard? I think he is a starting caliber running back in this league. I, I He's not better than Zeke, but um, it's kind of a similar situation with the Barkley-Gallman combination last year because Gallman really gave you what you needed at the tailback position. I think Pollard would, would give Dallas what they need at the tailback position behind that offensive line, but Dallas has improved so many areas of their team. Uh I think Pollard is a serviceable running back, too, who can step up into that running back one role when Zeke uh, is injured or if hopefully he's not for their sake. But I think when Pollard's contract is up, he's probably going to go elsewhere and compete for a starting job. That's how I feel about him. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I said it earlier. Uh, Zeke eats, leaves the crumbs, and Tony Pollard picks them up, and that's why they work so well together. But, no, I I, I agree. I think that he is – um, you know, he gives me like Wayne Gallman vibes, you know, yeah. like kind of behind this star running back. He's, you know, he stepped in for Saquon last year and like, he's great and, but not the star of the show. And it's just, you can be great, but not a star. So I think that that's definitely kind of the same vibes there that one day he'll probably be a starting running back somewhere, but on this team, there's just not room for it. But in the, in the meantime, I mean, I think that their dynamic is good. Yeah. Awesome. 
at, when you have a really good line, you can probably put any good, any solid running back behind that, and it'll work. Quick updates for the Giants injury-wise. Shepard, Slayton, Peppers did not practice today. Thomas, Caden, Smith, Leonard Williams, Ben Bredesen, and Nate Ebner all did on a limited basis, and this is the first time on a Thursday this season Barkley participated in full, not on a limited basis, so he continues to get healthier from his knee injury. Um, one last quick announcement. Our official review and preview merchandise launches next Monday, October 11th on Bonfire. Make sure to go check Ooh. us out on Bonfire. Dominic Daniele is going to put uh, you know, a nice little teaser video for us up on our social media. Fonz will be promoting our apparel. That'll be out on Monday. Get your T-shirts, uh, long sleeve T-shirts, coffee mugs as well. Uh, we're going to have hats on sale too at one point. So if you're interested in the hat, please let us know. Um, we'll be blasting that all over, all over social media for both of you, but Hank, Sam, any final thoughts before we sign off? <sighs> well, unfortunately I will not be able to watch the game this weekend, but all I have to say is that I am hoping, but nothing but the best. Um, just like last week, we went in very skeptical and got a really great reward for it. So I'm hoping for the best here. And as always go big blue. You how you want to look at my prediction i could i'm either very optimistic or very stupid but i don't care my my gut for some reason is telling me the giants are going to win it's been a long time since they won in dallas the blind dog finds its bone eventually i i don't know why i i feel like the giants can pull it off and looking forward to this game really nervous but tom as always thanks for having me and sam on always a pleasure talking football with you and uh let's go big blue no problem. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week. We'll recap the Dallas game, preview the L.A. Rams game. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue Avenue below on our ticker. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue to check up all our up-to-date content. But until then, on behalf of Sam Cardona, Hank and Dichter, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. Enjoy division, NFC East Divisional football this Sunday. Giants-Cowboys doesn't get any better than that. And let's go. Big blue.